This is Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. Every week, we review an episode of the cult classic time travel series and decide whether it holds up to present day viewing. And hopefully, we'll entertain you along the way. Be sure to check us out on our website, fwwquantumleappod.com, and also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Fate's Wide Wheel. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel. How are you, Dennis? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all yeah. right. Uh, you, I do, I, let, let's start off focusing. Down. Yeah, let's start off focusing on the positive. We're recording. Yes. We're recording. Right. We're here. Life is good in that regard. Uh, we gave birth to our daughter Eleanor. Uh, well, we nine, not you and I nine days. Not you and me. Not you and me. Me and Betsy. Uh, Betsy. <laughs> Betsy gave birth uh, to our daughter Eleanor um, nine days ago on May twenty second. Mm-hmm. So all of that is going really well. Uh, we're lucky. Last night was our first like really rough night of sleep. Yeah. Uh, but other than that. Everything has been great in that regard. Uh, I was able to be there, and that was up in the air with everything going on with COVID and all of that. Um, if you sense like some edge in our voice, why things may not be great right now, we're recording this in the midst of, one, a pandemic, two, all of the protests that are happening nationwide in regards to George Floyd's murder in Minneapolis. So everything just kind of has that hanging over it yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. We both celebrated birthdays this past week. Yes. You um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I actually, um, went to Facebook to create a post for our, uh, listeners, Facebook group, uh, celebrating you much as you did the same for me mm-hmm. and then completely dropped the ball. So no, it's so I good. Apologize to you. It, it's so easy. To, <laughs> I want to apologize to our listeners. Yeah, it's so easy to go in the social media and get wrapped up doing doing other stuff. Yeah, and get, yeah. getting well, distracted and, by other things. And 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 especially, you know, I mean, this this past week, um, as as you mentioned, you know, we're in the midst of uh, great unrest in our country, and and not just our country. I mean, this has had a, a global impact as well. You see. Uh, the footage coming out of uh, Germany and Italy uh, of protests taking outside the U.S. embassy uh, in those countries, and um, it, it is it is a time where I cannot help but be humbled. Um, and I, I think that one of the things that uh, we can do best is to, you know, focus on sharing sharing some joy, sharing something that we love, um, doing what we do with this podcast. Uh, but one thing that I will say uh, that Dennis and I have not talked about uh, at all because we kind of just jumped right into recording. But one thing that I will say and that I firmly believe is if you love this show and if you watch this television show and follow along with us and you've listened to our podcast uh, and you and you and you can hold up episodes like The Color of Truth and So Help Me God and the incredibly timely black and white on fire um, as being the great works of television that they are, then as far as I'm concerned, you have absolutely no choice but to agree with the fact that black lives matter. 
and that we absolutely agree with that sentiment and, and stand by that sentiment and consider ourselves allies and uh, just want to, to say that right off the bat. Absolutely. Uh, of course, we can always do better in that regard. I feel like I can always do better in that regard. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like that thing, you know, I think both of us have, have said this. I think you might have even posted it. I can't remember now. I, I know I saw it recently, but um, we, we sit here and we can say, I see you, I hear you, I'm your ally, and I know that that's not enough. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I know that there's more to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as, as you, you look around and you, you, you see uh, a people and a, and a country, you know, just angry and sad, uh, and, and both of those things going hand in hand, and, and you see the, the unrest and you see the, the destruction um, and you see the, the violence and you see um, the hatred um, that it, it is it behooves us to also make sure we are recognizing the support and the love and the peace and and that in this city in particular in Chicago, you know unfortunately, yes, there's broken glass, yes there are, there are burning you know, cars and buildings and storefronts, but there are also people peacefully sitting in the middle of Lakeshore Drive right now as we, from, you know, the privileged comfort of our homes, record this podcast, sitting peacefully, you know, sharing an experience, and that it's important to make sure that we're taking note of of all of this um, and not focusing too much on any one thing, because I think that that's how we got here in the first place. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I think maybe it's important to note, uh, I, I, I don't know, a lot of uh, the, the protesting that's happened here in Chicago and a lot of the you know broken glass and uh, businesses you've seen, that's been like downtown and like River North area. Uh, River North area is one of the richest neighborhoods in Chicago. I'm having a hard time finding sympathy for for sure. for, for that being trash. They will rebuild. They will rebuild yeah. within a couple of weeks. They will be okay. Yeah. Well, it's like the CEO of Target said, you know, he's like, Target's going to be just fine. Yeah. Like, don't worry about us, you know, and, and, and even said, you know, Black Lives Matter. And so I, I kind of appreciated that fact. And, 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 and there's, a, there's a, a, a longer dialogue to be had, I'm sure. Um, but uh, hopefully that, you know, it keeps happening and, and, and we keep talking and we keep moving, moving forward. Sure. Yeah. So all that being said, we talked about, you know, do we feel like recording today? And, and I did. It's been, has it been like three weeks? It's been close to three weeks since we last recorded. Has it? I think I lost track of time there for a minute yeah. because I know, you know, obviously with the impending birth of your daughter and everything else has been going on. And then, you know, I, I just, I feel like the past week, week and a half has, has, has almost seemed like this weird nebulous void of time sure um, yeah <laughs> time, time which i'm sure i'm sure you know. it has no meaning anymore uh well maybe we should uh jump in um it's a shame that we've yeah. taken such a break because we're, we're covering a three-part episode and we're finally now down to the to the third part that's right we're here today to talk about trilogy part three uh subtitled the last door in the original scripts uh, it's worth noting that the whole trilogy was promoted as Daughter of Sin. Daughter of Sin. Good job. And, and, and I'm looking at the <laughs> at the TV guide advert, thanks to, to Matt Dale's book, Beyond the Mirror Image, 
And just yeah, oh, yeah. And they did something similar with with, uh, with the promotion of all the Evil Leaper episodes, especially the leader to the first one. What the hell is going on here? Maybe we'll find an image and we'll post it on our Facebook page. But it's just like a picture of an actress who is clearly not Melora Hardin, and right. yeah, and stating all seductively. Uh, Dark, backed by smoke, with a knife in her hand. What? What the hell are we doing? NBC promotion. Well, the weird thing is, is I look at it and I think, like, is it supposed to be Lita? Like, is that what we're supposed to think that that's Lita Ader? But it's, but like you said, it's not. No. And is it supposed to be Abigail? But no, it can't be Abigail either. It's yeah, it's a very weird promotional image. And then you look at Scott's face, and it's reminiscent of like the artistic interpretations we would see on the covers of the novels. Like yeah. Some of them would be very, very good, and then some of them would be like, yeah, it's kind of Scott. It's kind but... of, and it's, and it's almost the way, like the way his collar falls on him, it almost implies like a priest's collar. Yeah, right. Which would play into the sin thing. And it's not, he, he's not a priest in any of these three parts. No. Obviously. And it's all very, yeah. And I think, like I said, I don't blame this on the showrunners. Uh, and we, we've talked about it before in previous episodes. I don't think NBC ever figured out how to promote Quantum Leap and their marketing departments. Right. All of their commercials were pretty pretty bad, pretty cheesy. Um, and that even leads into, I, I'm not sure if this is NBC's fault or TV Guide's fault, but we covered uh, in, in the last part, the last episode, uh, parts two and three aired as a two-hour movie special one night. So we read the TV Guide description last week, but um, in Matt's book, he also has a screenshot of a TV Guide out of somewhere. I'll read that TV Guide description. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Here we go. Uh, (laughs) Quantum Leap wraps up its titillating lead that they actually use that word. I'm sure that's a real world. Titillating lead titled Daughter of Sin Trilogy with the final two hours airing in one block. Look for a fascinating plot twist that explains why Sam leaps into the body of a distressed woman at three different stages in her life. What the fuck, TV Guide? Right? <laughs> no, no, that didn't, that didn't that's, happen. That's, that's not it. <laughs> that, that ain't it. Oh, and, um, and Sam and I were texting back and forth before, before we started recording earlier today. The runtime of this episode, like the actual plot of this episode, is pretty thin. The runtime is pretty short, considering that it aired part of a, a two-hour movie with a lot of uh, uh, flashbacks previously on whatever. But there's a lot to unpack in the character of Sammy Joe. Uh, yes. Probably for today, we are just going to focus on the episode proper, a little bit about Sammy Joe, but we'll we'll come back later. We can do it. We can and we will. We can do an entire episode around Sammy Joe and what Deborah Pratt had in mind when she wrote this episode and where she wanted Sammy Joe to go as a character. Yeah. And the future of Quantum Leap. Well, and and, and, and I think that it, you know, it's also worth noting that at this particular point, you know, we are we are thirteen episodes away uh, from from finishing up the series. Um, and knowing you and I, we're not done talking. Yeah. So <laughs> as, we've, as we've as we've mentioned before, like just because we hit mirror image doesn't mean that we're going to be, you know, finished talking about Quantum Leap here. Absolutely. Um, so so yeah, th- there are things that 
we will, uh, you know, like they're saying that we could obviously spend more time with, but I think that, you know, in the interest of serving the episode and also realizing that, you know, Sammy Joe plays a part in the spinoff media as much as she does and, and, and so much of the conversation around Quantum Leap that has occurred since the show went off the air, um, that it's worth maybe diving into that a little deeper uh, at some at some other point. Um, so, going back to trilogy, uh, our director is once again James Whitmore Jr., our writer of course is Deborah Pratt. Uh, air date, as Dennis mentioned, was the same date as Trilogy Part 2, which was November the 24th, 1992. Our leap date is now July 28th, 1978, and Sam has left into Lawrence Larry Stanton III, and we are back in Pottersville, Louisiana. We are back in Pottersville, Louisiana. Uh, so Sam, he, he leaps in. This is a, a relatively calm leap in. Leaps in. He's sitting. He's reading the newspaper. Not near as exciting as the previous leap in. Um, and he obviously, he very quickly gets tuned in that he is back in, in Pottersville, Louisiana. He's jumped 11 years later. Gets up, looks in the mirror, and he is our familiar face, Larry Stanton, which we've talked about before, was played by W.K. Stratton, who is, yeah. uh, who is no stranger to Quantum Leap. Is, is, is W.K., is Mr. W.K. still around? Is he still with us? He is still uh, with as us. As far as I know, yeah, yeah. He turned, uh, he turned 70 this August. Um, yeah, yeah. Second, and, and of course, um, you know, as Dennis has mentioned, we've seen him before uh, in Quantum Leap. We've also seen his face uh, in television shows uh, dating back to the '70s, you know, with like Black Sheep Squadron and The Incredible Hulk, Battlestar Galactica, uh, The Rockford Files, um, and then of course he's no stranger to uh, Mr. Belisario with uh, uh, Magnum PI and Airwolf under his belt. Um, also did some A Team. Uh, but of course, uh, we recognize him from Quantum Leap specifically as Doctor Berger in Genesis Part One, and uh, also as Sheriff Lyle Roundtree in Goodnight, Dear Heart. Absolutely, and we pretty early on we meet Mrs. Stanton, played by Diana Bellamy, who unfortunately she is no longer with us. She passed away in two thousand and one, uh, and she is she is ready to play. She is ready to work. She really is, man. She wants to be <laughs> melted down. Um, and she gets it wrong. She says tonight, uh, she says she is Jane Fonda in Butterfield 8. Right. And that's that's kind of an air. Uh, it was yeah. Elizabeth Taylor who was in Butterfield 8. I wonder, we'll never know. It's interesting. Was that a, was that a writer goof or was that, a, was that supposed to be a character goof? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that because it is one of those interesting things that you do. You ask yourself and say, like, was that intentional? Mm-hmm. You know, was that intentional by the writers? Um, because the character is not at any point portrayed as someone endearing or that sympathetic or, you know, like we, we, we are set up to not like her pretty much from the get go. Oh, let's get into it. Uh, so Marie... Uh, Maria Marie, uh, the old Marie, the old housekeeper. This, that, this is the a one who permanent. Sam hit with his car. Yes, the one that Sam hit with his car back in part one. This is a permanent lock in my brain. Uh, Marie, Maria's, Diane, Diana's. I can never keep those names straight in my head. There's always confusion. Anyway, so Marie, uh, she shows up on the doorstep. Um, yes. She shows up to just drop a big old load of exposition. That's the only reason she's in this episode 
is to drop a big old load of exposition. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, one of the things that I, I almost feel like is a little bit of a missed opportunity with this episode, and I don't want to be overly critical because I do appreciate so much of what this episode does, and I do like it as a wrap-up of the trilogy, I just feel like there are little missed opportunities throughout the episode to capitalize on certain character moments, and you can tell when she comes up on the porch that the intent seems to be there, even with, like, the music and the look on, on Marie's face as, sure. as played by Fran Bennett. Like, there does seem to be a lot there, but there does there's not much of a payoff. And part of it is that Sam, with the exception of... of uh, it, it's so weird, he seems... Unless he's around Abigail or Sammy Joe, he seems very emotionally, like, shut off a lot of this episode. And, 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 and I don't like the decision to have him be so Swiss-cheesed that he doesn't remember who Marie is. I, 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 I think that that's, it's something that hurts this episode, because if he would remember the last two leaps better, I think that it would give us some emotional payoffs that are missing throughout the course of this episode, including this moment where he's reunited with Marie, who mm-hmm. has been an important figure, you know, if not... Uh, uh, necessarily of, of prime importance, but an important figure in the first two parts of, of the trilogy. And I would have appreciated that, uh, because in this case, he doesn't remember her. Yeah. And she stuck with me so much, like, like even just now, as we're talking about it, I just realized, like, oh, she's not in the episode after this first scene. She, she literally yeah. just shows up to set up the circumstances of the episode. No, she's no, 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 scene, she, she does come back. Sam visits Sammy Joe. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. She does come back yeah. later on. Never mind. Um, but yeah, but uh, her primary purpose in this episode is to, yeah, give us give us all the information. Right. But before we get there, like I said, as we got in here, uh, we get this exchange between Marie and Mrs. Stanton. And this is the one huge misstep of the episode that I do not understand, especially now in the time that we are in. You know, we've talked a lot about on the show before about the use of the N-word. And how appropriate it was, and especially how that just does not fly on television these days. But the thing is, before when it was been dropped in an episode, like the point of the episode was racism. Like they were specifically focusing on racism and Sam confronting it. And this one, it's it's such an aside and it's so pointless to have Mrs. Stanton drop the N-word. It's just like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is. It is very strange, and it, and and it, in a way, it tells you everything you need to know about you know Mrs. Stanton. Um, it also, you know, it also makes you ask some questions about Larry, because, like, his wife is more surprised at Sam's reaction and and and, and comforting of Marie. Uh, than I'm comfortable with, quite frankly. Because it makes me all of a sudden think that Larry, if he were there, would agree with what his wife is saying. Uh, I don't know. I didn't quite catch that. I mean, it's clear that they don't necessarily have the healthiest of relationships, but but there's Absolutely. but there's just this. I, I don't know. She seems she seems very appalled that 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 Sam is 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 you know so upset and comforting. Uh, but but then again, she seems appalled about everything. So who knows? Uh, but yeah, it, 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 it's strange to be sure. Mm-hmm. You know, the only way that I kind of rationalize it in my brain, quite frankly, is that at least it was written by Deborah Pratt. 
Um, That's a fair point. Yeah. But, but it, it is still a very, it's, you know, it's jarring, man. And it's strange because we talked about actually in earlier episodes uh, of, of Trilogy, you know, we talked about like in the last episode when all the guys are standing out front of the police station with their guns and about how that is, again, no pun intended, like a better word, kind of triggering in, in, in our current circumstances. Um, you know, I mean, we've, we've, we were not far removed from having seen, you know, a bunch of angry you know, white dudes standing outside of courthouses and, you know, city capitals or, or state capital buildings, you know, armed to the teeth. Uh, and, and now here we are in the midst of all of this social unrest that's, that is clearly racially motivated. And, 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 and to hear that word, you know, you just, it, 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 it hits you. And, 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 and because it is something that never gets addressed again, and because we have this one character, this one black character in this entire episode, and that's how she's treated. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's just like, that's, uh, oh. yeah, because Betsy watched the episode with me last night and I gave her a heads up that it was coming. And I just, and I said everything that I just said with you, like how, like it, it just, it just wasn't needed. It wasn't necessary. And Betsy was like, well, maybe they're just trying to set her up to be a horrible character for later in the episode. And I'm like, nope, this is the only scene that Mrs. Stanton is in. Yeah, this is it. This is, uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, maybe for two white guys who've dwelled on this one moment enough. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and how uncomfortable it makes us. But our blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so after this, of course, um, you know, uh, Sam basically ha- has his mission, if you will. Yeah. Um, and is, is off to uh, uh, see Abigail, who is currently being held in custody for the murder of Lita Ader, which of course is the exposition bomb that uh, Marie drops, is that Lita is dead yeah. and Abigail has been charged with the crime. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and perhaps just as importantly, what led up to this was that Violet Ader's remains were finally found in the bottom of a well in the middle of town. Lita Ader went to an attorney to get a case against Abigail going because of Louisiana statute of limitations protecting minors. Lita is told there was nothing that could be done to prosecute Abigail for the murder of Violet. And then shortly thereafter, Lita Ader turns up dead in Abigail's kitchen. So there's some confusion in this first exposition scene because Sam keeps thinking that Abigail is being charged for Violet's murder, but not. She is being charged for the murder of Lita Ader. And in the original history, she was convicted and she was executed. Yes, which it is worth noting that while Louisiana did indeed enforce the death penalty at this particular point in time, that all 28 people that were executed in the state of Louisiana were men. Um, there's no women on record as having been executed during the time frame uh, of this episode. Uh, because, of course, Sam saved the day and she didn't have to be executed. Oh, sure. That's, that, that, um, that's it. That explains <laughs> it. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. I'll um, that up. Right? Uh, but, uh, but, yeah... Um, it's interesting because I think that we've had high stakes, you know, throughout the rest of the trilogy, obviously with, with Abigail being in peril. Um, but now, you know, we find ourselves, um, you know, back with, with similarly high stakes. Um, and yet there, there's, I, I think one of the successful parts of the trilogy is that each part feels different enough and the peril in which 
Abigail finds herself is different enough that it doesn't just seem like a rehash of what's come before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's difficult when you have, you know, when you are focusing on a character being rescued, basically, by our hero, um, how, how do you make it feel different? Um, and, I, and I think that, uh, that Deborah Pratt succeeds in doing that. Um, and also, of course, in the relationship that she has with whoever Sam is left into, uh, I think helps to add to uh, uh, the different dynamics that, that are at play and, and again, make the, the, the whole progression of these episodes successful. Um, I, it, you know, I am fascinated throughout the course of this episode by the scenes between Sam and Abigail. Um, they are played in such a way that it is, it is easy to forget that Sam is the aging, you know, ailing, quite frankly, as we find out through the course of the episode, Larry Stratton Mm -hmm. and, and not, um, or Stanton rather. Yeah. Why? Why did they have to name the character why, like, yes. give them the, I, like yeah. such a similar last name to the actor? <laughs> I do the same but, thing. Um, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, Stanton. Um, you do. You almost forget that that aspect of the character. Um, we, you know, we get to see some old familiar faces. Of course, when Sam gets to uh, the uh, the police station, uh, chief chief among them are our our sheriff, good old Bo, mm-hmm. played by Stephen Lee. Um, I, you know, I will say that for the most part, you know, I think that the old age makeup works really well. Um, you know, we see it on Stratton, we see it on Bo, mm-hmm. um, we see it on, on Marie, um, and, and I, it's never distracting. The only time the makeup gets a little bit distracting, unfortunately, is when we see Laura Fuller later on, um, in the asylum. Uh, <sighs> yeah, her, her burn, her burn makeup is, is... I think it's 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 quite possibly the the uh, effect of high definition television uh, I, I, as well. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> as, as I, the I, uh, I am not as flattering of the rest of the makeup. I thought, I mean, all the old age makeup. It's it, it's TV old age makeup for the time. Also, not flattering in high definition. Uh, sure. I I, I want to unpack Laura's makeup when we get there later on, and yeah. what my impressions yeah. have been of like what they were trying to imply with that way back when. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, but we get to the police station and, and Sam uh, seeing Abigail again, and uh, I don't. I I almost kind of wish like they would have done more with like Sam having to resist being more intimate with her throughout the episode because mm-hmm. he was so in love with her in part two, and they went out of their way to drive home the fact that it wasn't him being uh, psycho-synergizing with Will, but this is like actually like Sam and Abigail having a connection. Rewatching it last night, I was a little thrown off with just how Sam was easily able to detach from her. Yeah, it, it's also strange because so much of the focus is shifted to Sammy Joe mm-hmm. and to the relationship or, or absence of relationship, basically, that Sam has with her. 
And I think that it undercuts some of the, the ground that's been already laid down between he and Abigail. You know, there's the voiceover early on that he has about how all I really wanted to do was take her into my arms. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's clear that he's that there is a little bit of a struggle, but I, I, I agree with you completely. I and, and the other thing that gets to me is that I feel like at this particular point in the, uh, in the trilogy, like, they've pushed the boundaries a bit already. Why not have all bets off? Why not have the mo instead of instead of instead of having that moment where like Abigail looks at him and says there's something in your eyes or, or whatever like instead of having that little moment that almost gets thrown away for the purposes of focusing on this plot, you know go deeper you know have her recognize Sam let let them see one another in there you know let them have some sort of connection because this episode is so much about the lack of those connections in general that we get a a a plot resolution that as we read through our Southern Gothic romance novel, uh, that I'm sure satisfies, uh, our thirst for, for that. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to these characters and their relationships, so much is left unresolved by the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. And worth noting that as I say that it's not because Deborah Pratt intended to follow up on any of it. It's just that she had created this, new character that she hoped to use in the future. It wasn't so that she could, you know, pay off any of these sort of emotional investments that we had. And so I do think that, again, that that's one of the things where the episode leaves me a little bit cold. Mm -hmm. Um, And I agree that in this first meeting with Abigail, it would have been really nice to see just a little bit more connection between Mm -hmm. the two of them. And and Melora Hardin's great, and Scott Bakula, of course, is great. She's great. And I will say, yeah, yeah, that being said, when... When she makes a comment about, like, just for a moment in your eyes, I saw something, and Sam blows her off. Like, when Sam blows her off and then moves on back into lawyer mode, lawyer mode, the look that Melora Harden gets on her face of just stress, of just like, what just happened? I love that moment. Yeah. 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 I just, uh, I guess I just wish it was it was followed up on a little bit more. There was more. Know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we should talk about uh, what happened to Will. What happened to Will after the last episode? What happened to Will? Will well, they was, never got married. Will was written <laughs> off into the sunset. Uh, yeah. At least they didn't kill him. But uh, I almost as, wish as they soon, had. As soon as he leaped back, he suddenly got the desire to move out west and write a book. Now, I don't know about you, but I have always interpreted that as meaning that he came back with some vague memory of being at Project Quantum Leap in New Mexico and him dropping everything and moving out west was like some desire to find something locked down in his subconscious memory. Perhaps, yeah. Uh, that's that's yeah. how I've always interpreted it. No, I, 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 I don't. I, 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 I like that. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't bother me at all. I, I, it's weird because one of the things that happens is, is that if he had died, we would not get to have those moments later between Sammy Joe and Sam, with her talking about never met him, meeting her father, you know, and, sure. and wanting to tell him that she loves him and, and all this sort of stuff, and and you know, basically the the that they're they're having this conversation with one another without really knowing the identity of the other sort of thing. Um, you know, we wouldn't get to have that because she'd think her dad was dead. Yeah. Um, but I would almost rather be like some sort of secret. You know, I would almost rather be like that's what Abigail told Sammy Joe when she was young. Oh, your your father moved out west to write a book. 
but in reality, Will Kinman's dead at the bottom of that well, along with Violet. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just it just doesn't make any sense in the context of the character because we know from the first episode of this three-parter that Will is incredibly fond of Abigail. We know clearly that he has been chasing her and wanting to be with her up until the point when Sam leaps in in the second episode. We know disturbingly that Abigail is not necessarily all that fond of him, but decides to go ahead and sleep with him the night before their wedding anyway, as well as get married to him. And then, of course, Sam leaps in, and all of a sudden she's completely fulfilled. This is the person that she's always wanted to be with. She loves him. You know, yada de yada de yada Then he leaps out, and we're supposed to just think that Will's just sort of like... Oh yeah, sorry, Abigail. I want 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 to go out west and write a book. You know, like <laughs> See, to me, that's what reinforces my idea. Is that is that yeah. is that is that being leaped out had such a profound effect on him that yeah. afterwards he just like totally upended everything and he and he just moved out west. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's that he knows because of the psycho synergizing. He knows what happened while he was away. And so he yeah. gets back there, and he's just like, "You don't love me. You love that other guy, right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ee, ee. But anyway, so Sam yeah. is out to prove Abigail's innocence, and then he goes, uh, he goes back home, and that's uh, that's where he, where we meet Sammy Joe. Which spoilers, we've already thrown him out there. Um, this is an iconic moment in, in, in quantum book history. So if you're a fan, if you're listening to two, uh, to two uh, close to middle-aged white dudes talking about it on a podcast, you probably are very well aware that uh, Sammy Joe is Sam's daughter. That's right. Samantha Josephine Fuller. Uh, she is 11 years old mm-hmm. um, and you know, born, obviously, nine months after Sam leaps out uh, in Trilogy Part 2. Um, played by, uh, of course, the same actress, Kimberly Cullum, who played Abigail in the, the first episode. Um, you almost have to wonder, Dennis, it, had they done the spinoff, had they actually done uh, the, you know, the, the Sammy Joe show, um, would, would Melora Harden have played the adult Sammy Joe? Because I got to tell you, if we had had a, like a Melora Harden vehicle uh, as Sammy Joe, I would have bought into it. No, so uh, I don't know how much you're throwing this out here for for discussion, or how much of this you really don't know. Have you read that part in Matt's book where they go into detail about the production of the of the would be no, no. Of the rebe- Well, now wait a minute. But okay, I'll have to I'll have to read. But as far like the only the only one that I know anything about is that when they were talking about doing the Sci-Fi Channel reboot in the early 2000s. Yeah. Which at that point, Melora Hardin, I'm pretty sure, would not necessarily have been available or necessarily even right for the role anymore, uh, depending on what, how they wanted to, you know, to go with it. Because uh, the character technically would have been like about, what, 30, 30-ish uh, in context of Quantum Leap, Project Quantum Leap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, she so would have been, no, 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 she would have been about 40-ish. Uh, we'll okay. s- yeah, maybe we'll save this for a future episode, but I'll, I'll just drop this in here. And again, uh, I can't recommend Matt's book enough, but he goes into very, very much detail about what this reboot was going to be. No, uh, I had never thought about Melora Hardin. I would have loved to have seen that, uh, yeah. Melora Hardin in, in that role, but no, uh, Don Belisario decided, Sci-Fi Channel decided, everybody involved decided that, 
Sammy Joe would be too old. Yeah. So they were going yep. to they were going to fudge the previous story, and Sammy Joe would have been fathered in this episode. Mm. She would have been fathered in the 1970s by Mr. Stratton. That's just a Mr. Stanton. Yeah. I, I hate. I I hate. I. You know what? Yeah. Uh, no. Give me a break. I hate. I. I like. Get, what? First of all, what would be wrong with her being forty? <laughs> We've broken Sam. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't. I just. It just. It, it, it upsets me so much that you've got like some. You know old white guy deciding what's right for television or not. And it's like, okay, first of all, as, as a, as a, as a 39, newly minted 39 year old, mm. uh, <laughs> uh, white guy, let me just say that there is absolutely nothing wrong with a lead character, uh, in particular, a lead female character being in their forties, their fifties, their sixties. I have recently due to Peacock being available through Xfinity right now, I have recently taken to watching old episodes of Murder, She Wrote, because why the fuck not? The world's insane. And let me just say, there's nothing wrong with having a 50-something lead female character on television. Like, it's just so dumb. It's so dumb that some executive at Sci-Fi got together with Belisario and was like, well, if she's 40, she's probably not going to be hot enough, and we won't have enough longevity on the show, so let's make sure we make her younger. So let's throw my wife's wonderful trilogy under the the bus and 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 completely rewrite the history of my show in order to 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 what to <sighs> yep <laughs> i could just it's it just it makes it, it just does i mean it makes perfect sense which is the reason why it's so infuriating yeah anyway i will say that yeah I, uh, <laughs> like i said we'll unpack this in a future episode but i always hated that the sci-fi reboot did not happen until I read all of the details in Matt's book. And then I was like, yeah. oh, I'm kind of glad the sci-fi reboot didn't happen. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, you know, I've said this before. We've talked about it before. I, I do feel like that that ship has, has sailed. We'll see what happens with Peacock. I know they're they're hungry for, you know, for content and trying to, you know, create reboots and, and, and pseudo sequels and you know we're getting saved by the bell and punky brewster and you know other stuff as well but I, I I'm I'm fine with just leaving the show where it is. Um but that said, I mean the the, yeah. the idea, the creation of a character like Sammy Joe and the introduction of a character like Sammy Joe uh is interesting, intriguing. It's it's something that has stuck with me since, you know, this episode aared. Um you know, the past 28 years it is fueled mm-hmm. speculation conversation spin-off material fan fiction fan wank etc uh and i think that um it was it, it was inventive and it was something that I'm, I'm i'm glad that um you know deborah pratt was was able to do um the you know the the, the moments that we get between the two of them here in the, in the very beginning um uh you know are, are really really nice um it's strange. It's something I just now thought about. But when Sam seems a little out of sorts throughout the course of this episode, I do wonder how much of that is Sam or Scott Bakula and this, you know, playing the fact that we know that um, Stanton is ill, that you know that he has this heart problem, because you know there are obviously two instances where it is it is explicit. But I I do kind of wonder, just you know, from that actor brain, was he was he kind of playing with that throughout the course of this episode? Uh I think that's really interesting. I don't know. It, <laughs> I don't know. It, it would have been an interesting take. Uh, 
to to see like Sam want to engage intimately with with Abigail. Oh but, no! But not being able to because <laughs> my heart, oh, Abigail, my heart condition, my heart, my heart. Oh God, no! It kind of reminds me the uh, the they they kind of tease us in the Incredible Hulk movie with Ed Norton back in like in 2008 like he wanted to be intimate with uh, I can't remember the character's name um, Betty, Betty yeah, but yeah, yeah 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 he wanted to be intimate with Betty but no no to excitement and no anyway uh, I, I think yeah it could have been a little bit of uh, even though it wasn't explicit just like him mentally psychosynergizing with uh, with Larry more beyond yeah. than just the just the heart condition yeah yeah um you know, I, I, I enjoy this scene. I enjoy one of the things that it does very well, and in some ways perhaps even better than the first part with young Abigail, is it really... It, it explicitly shows you why Sammy Joe is in the state that she is in. And it gives you, you know, no reason to doubt the effect of, you know, this... this alleged murder that took place in her kitchen uh, of, of, you know, of her mother's persecution in, in this town. Um, and, I, and I think that it, in, it makes me more sympathetic for Sammy Joe than it did for young Abigail. Um, I think so much of the sympathy for young Abigail was created by Sam, you know, wanting to be there for her and take care of her and, 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 and help her out of this jam, if you will. Whereas in this episode, you know, in spite of it being the same actor and everything, that, that so much of, of the sympathy that you have for Sammy Joe is created by the character's actual circumstances and not necessarily by empathizing with our lead character. Um, although that certainly comes later. Uh, and, I, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I guess we should address it also that uh, Sammy Joe is played by the same actor who played Abigail. Did that first, say that? Did you say that? I did, yeah. <laughs> oh God, sorry. <sighs> it's all right. Maybe we'll edit it's that. It's all right. We're having. Know. Hey, man, it, it's one of those days, right? My my mental headspace is I. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those weeks. One of those months. One of yeah. those. You know. You know. Did did I say that last night was our first real rough night of sleep with uh, Eleanor? Did I did I mention that? <laughs> did you mention that? I don't know if you mentioned that. <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Um, Maybe we'll make it. We also got, uh, you know, we haven't mentioned Al a whole lot this episode. Uh, Al has been, um, you know, mostly there to just give information. But the the, the nice thing is, is that, you know, this is one of those episodes where Stockwell uh, does a lot with with the little that he is given on the page. Um, And his interactions with Sam um, are are very, very good. Um, And, of course, the this scene that's the other thing that's interesting. The reveal comes so early uh, about the relationship between Sam and Sammy Joe. You know, you expect that it's going to be held off till later in the episode, but Al tells Sam right away, mm-hmm. you know, there's a 97.1% chance yeah. that, yeah, that, that Sammy Joe is your daughter. Yeah. Um, and so it happens like, bam. Um, and I, and I, it, I don't question that from a, like a critical standpoint, like, why did they do this? But I question, like, I would love to be able to ask Deborah Pratt, like, why did you decide to, to do that early? Like, why, what was it that, you know what I mean? I, I think they needed to do that because 
that sets up such strong stakes between Sam and Sam and Joe for the entirety of the episode. Um, I mean, especially like in this first scene where, where, where they meet and, and Sam finds out that Sammy Joe is very, very likely his daughter. And then Marie comes over and then Marie starts to send her to the kitchen and, and uh, Sammy has mm-hmm. this freak out moment. Sam gets this opportunity to be, you know, paternal with her and like, you know, protect her. And, you know, she says, you know, can I see you tomorrow? And Marie says, oh, no, that's silly. And Sam's like, no, like I will be here every day after work to see you uh it, it sets up him being able to like you know basically like be a father figure for her the entire episode and to like truly be invested in the fact that in in the original timeline she ends up like not really doing much with her life like she's writing like tech manuals like living in mobile alabama so right. yeah right. Excuse me. So yeah, because we because we do get the information that she has an IQ of one ninety four. She's the smartest girl in the whole parish. She's you know uh, she has photographic uh, memory, which we reveal later on. Yeah, right, right. So we you know we get all of these similarities uh, uh, to Sam right off the bat, Um, and and uh, yeah, I I almost wonder if in 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 another world Mm -hmm. would it have been interesting if 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 we were seeing more of what was happening at Project Quantum Leap during the course of these episodes, and if Al gets the information, and so the audience gets the information, but that the information is kept from Sam for a little while, and and to and to see, you know what I mean? Because I just I I, I think there's so much going on for Sam in the course of this episode um, that you know he's just come from seeing Abigail, he's still having these feelings for her, um, you, you know now he now he sees Sammy Joe, and now he's being told that he's a father. And I think that that's the other thing too, because the episode never gives us an opportunity for Sam to really process what this means. That it is very much just full steam ahead. It's it, it, by by giving him the information so early and not getting that process again. It's one of those small criticisms that I have of this whole episode in general is that we miss certain payoffs that I feel like there was never any plan to give us anyway, so why not put them in this episode? Um, of course, we get the Brigadoon scene later, which is really, you know, a wonderful, nice moment between the two of them. But again, I, I, I just think that, 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 that it does. It lacks a certain emotional payoff. Um, well, maybe the payoff is there, but the arc isn't fully constructed. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like... There isn't much to this part of the episode. Like, just watching it last night with Betsy, I was like, oh, there isn't really much to this episode. Like, he leaps in, yeah. we get the yep. thing, he meets Sammy Joe, there's a trial. Trial happens very quickly. I for- yep. I forgot how how quickly Sam figures it out. Yeah. Well, we get, you know, so so moving on from this scene, um, which, which ends with some nice moments between Marie and, and Sammy Joe and Sam, um, you know, we get in, in the courtroom the next day with, with Sam's like opening uh, argument and, 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 you know, there's this, obviously this, this trial is the, the talk of the town. There's plenty of people in, yeah. you know, in the gallery watching, listening, hanging on every word. Uh, Abigail is clearly still seen as, as this sort of, you know, grotesque yeah. almost. Yeah. yeah character within in, in the, the town. Um, you know, this is where we get the, the kind of the first explicit moment with Sam struggling with the, the heart condition mm-hmm. um, that Stanton has. Um, and then when we wrap things up, um, that's when we go on to the 
to the Brigadoon scene. Mm-hmm. Now, for what it's worth, I don't want to go into it too much. I don't feel like I need to. But the courtroom, I mean, the courtroom scene is handled well. It's shot really well. I think that there's some really nice, like, camera work that's done um, through the course of this this piece of the courtroom scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get lots of different angles. They, they use the space really well. Um, but as far as content goes, you know, it's a great monologue that Sam has. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about it? <laughs> no. Uh, maybe we should mention the actors that we meet uh, that we haven't met previously. We meet uh, Mr. James Green, who plays the prosecuting attorney. Um, I feel like he has a Star Trek connection. Again, we're not a Star Trek podcast, but um, I feel like I've seen uh, him in Star Trek before. Um, yeah, he, he's in Voyager and Deep Space Nine. Um, and is he in anything else? No, I think oh, he was, did Voyager. Uh, he, he was in an episode of Next Generation, too. Yeah. He was. Yeah, my God. The man did it all. He was He was around. I'm finally getting through. I think I'm finally getting myself into Deep Space Nine right now. I think I'm finally. He's a human. I think I'm finally <laughs> able, yeah, able to, to get in there. But anyway. Uh, so he plays uh, the prosecuting attorney. And then we get uh, an old uh, favorite actor of mine, uh, Parley Bayer, who plays the judge, Judge Shiner. I remember him, I'm pretty much, if I'm, if I'm not misremembering this, I think he was the mayor on the Andy Griffith show. Oh, is that right? Yes, I yes. He was grandpa. The, he, yeah. As the grandpa from License to Drive. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, I remember, yeah, as uh, apparently he was the mayor for only one season. Oh, that's weird. I remember him for, like, being a mayor throughout. Anyway, it's been so long since I've seen the Andy Griffith show. He played Doc Appleby in the Dukes of Hazzard for seven episodes. Oh, okay. All right. So, there you go. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, we get uh, the introduction to those characters. Uh, My only gripe with the courtroom drama is there's so much focus on Sam not just trying to prove Abigail's innocence for Lita's Lita's murder but for everything and to me it seems like from a courtroom like from a court strategy it's like no no that matters like what evidence do you have that she murdered Lita Ader um, yeah, and I mean he does get he does get like a couple warnings and objections yeah. or whatever. But yeah, I, I agree. It it it's funny because while I'm watching it, it, it it was hard for me to not think about other like courtroom television programs, and oftentimes they succeed on having um, you know payoffs occur in the courtroom that is set up by the action that we see outside of the courtroom, and this scene. The next scene we get in the courtroom is kind of that, but this scene is not that at all. You know, this scene is just is is kind of just a an impassioned like it's it's just Sam talking really for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of action yeah. in this particular scene, and, and I'm not saying that it's a bad scene, but but it's not. I don't know. It's not necessarily what we're used to seeing from like Perry Mason or, or sure. Matlock or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, or Law and Order. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's not even a so help me God. No, right, right. Yes, he's so help me God. That's a, I'm so glad you brought that up because yeah, so help me God in terms of quantum leap doing like that courtroom drama is 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 a, the perfect example of what I'm talking about. Um, now we we do get uh, of course after this the, the brigadoon scene between mm-hmm. Sam and Sammy Joe, which is lovely. Um, it's kind of weird 
that Sammy Joe is basically watching this movie in her head. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, there, she's got like this vacant look on her face. There's and, kind of the yeah, there's kind of a little creepiness there, but hey, Kimberly brought that in. Uh, you know, she brought that as Abigail in the first part. So, right. Yeah. Um, but it's a nice moment where they connect and they mm-hmm. share something, and, and and not only do they have this genius intellect and photographic memory, but there's this love for this old musical, mm-hmm. for this sort of you know fantastic quality that it has, and the time travel aspect of it, which she mentioned. Um, you know, of, and and, it, and there's a there's by framing it the way that she does about pulling this the town through time for someone that he loves, it, it really kind of it it draws into focus the whole point in some ways of quantum leaping for Sam, mm-hmm. which is that he you know he did this for even though it's not necessarily explicitly stated within the context of the show. You know, we know that he did this for someone he loves. He did this for his brother. You know, he's done things. He will do things for Al. You know, he he, he it's so much about the people that he loves, and so for for Sammy Joe to kind of be drawn to that as well is really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And then, of course, she says the uh, the thing about uh, uh, what 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 does she say exactly? It's, it's something about. Um, her grandmother, mm-hmm. but not not Abigail's mother. She's talking about her other grandmother, mm-hmm. her, oh, yeah, right. Clayton's mom, mm-hmm. Gram, Grandma Fuller. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it sparks in Sam's brain. It's like Laura. Laura holds the key. Yeah. So we transition out of this scene and we go to the asylum. Yes. The asylum, I love the establishing shot of the asylum just looking so run down and so bad. <laughs> um, right. But then he gets in there and he has a conversation and this is where we discover that Laura has the locket that has been the, the crux of this entire thing, the, the, the locket that Violet bought just to spite Abigail uh, way back when, in, uh, in over 20 years ago. And this, uh, I always found it creepy when I was younger, rewatching the episode last night. It's just a misstep because I don't know what the hell they're doing uh, when, when Sam pulls her, her shawl back and she's got... The, the the tales of the crypt hair and and, and the yeah, burn scar yeah. that you mentioned. I, what, what 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 do you think they're trying to say with that? Because I've always had this idea oh, that, in my head that Laura was physically present in the house when it burned down the night that Clayton died. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean. To, yeah. Well, but I, I think the other thing that kind of plays into that too is that we learn that. Um, Laura's commitment was voluntary. Yeah, that her that her time there, that even though Clayton took her there and put her mm-hmm. there, that she had been there voluntarily for the past like you know however long. That the, I can't remember exactly what they say, but but it makes it seem as though from the time we meet her in trilogy part one until the time that she leaves the asylum to testify in court, that she has actually been at the asylum completely on a voluntary voluntary basis Mm -hmm. and so for me that says that every time we have seen her and we see her within the first episode for instance that she is physically there that this is not like an apparition that sam is seeing that that laura is physically in the house those times when he thinks he sees her that's interesting yeah i mean that's 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 kind of how i'm how i'm interpreting it right now 
yeah, man. It's it, I don't know. What do you What do you make of it? I mean, I mean, I guess like um, yeah, with the, with the burn scars that they were always trying to imply that she was in the house on the night that the house caught fire and that Clayton died. Never really thought about it. Like you know, when he sees her, you know, as an apparition earlier in the episode. Uh, you know, just the idea of like, oh yeah, she you know, she voluntarily committed herself, and sometimes she just like lets herself out. She just goes, wanders around, creeps her husband out, you know, shows up, yeah, and then and then you know, right. uh, did, did did that happen a lot? You know, on the regular, you know, did she just like right. did she just come sneak out? And, and Clayton's like, Laura, what, what are we doing? We talked about this, and then they they drive back, and you know, and you know, and on the way back home, he, you know, he ends up you know you know running over somebody else in the street at dark at night because he's not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's it is an interesting it is an interesting scene, and it feels necessary, obviously to the to the whole plot. Um, it, but yeah, I, man, I hate to do this because as I was watching it, you know, I was enjoying it, and I wanted to see you know all these plots come to their conclusion and all these threads get tied up, and obviously knowing that the Sammy Joe revelation is coming and all that sort of stuff, but but. As we're talking about it, I am starting to see some cracks, mm-hmm. and I am starting to, you know, get that that it feels like something was missing, and it feels as though, and whether this was Deborah Pratt's intention or not, it feels as though all of the stuff, all these threads that have been dangled out there for us, they do get tied up, but the only payoff that we really get is the moment, the final moment between Sam and Sammy Joe. And that is an interesting way to go with this trilogy because it has been about so much more than Sammy Joe. Sure. And if Sammy Joe is the result, like if Sammy Joe is kind of the ultimate payoff, like that this character is established, great. But man, does Abigail get kind of short shrift by the She does. Episode. Yeah. Like hardcore. Yeah. I mean, she's not even in the final scene. I mean, yeah, I mean, she is in the final scene, but in the final moments, it's like, okay, we, we, you know, we show that, you know, that Lita killed herself in Abigail's kitchen, and uh, and this final reveal happens by way of Sammy Joe because it turns out she was she she saw it, and but the, yeah, after that, Abigail just kind of fades off into the background. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I mean, so I mean, ultimately, yes, because Deborah Pratt was writing Sammy Joe to continue on past this iteration of Quantum Leap. So in a way, that does kind of make sense. Um, but yeah, I see your point in that. Yeah. But anyway, Sam takes you know what he's learned from visiting Laura and, and goes back to the, the, to the court and takes Laura with him to testify. Uh, you know, Laura ends up taking the stand, and we get you know the flashback sequence sure. of, of a young Laura with Violet Ader and seeing Violet... It, oh, it's worth noting that um, we kind of skipped over this, that one important moment that does happen uh, is that, um, you know, Sam has to basically plead with Abigail to tell him everything. Yeah. And so Abigail tells him the story about what really happened between her and Violet, which isn't really that much different from what we've already seen. No, yeah. Um, but it's just it's just done in a little bit more detail and a little bit more length in that, you know, they fought over the locket, she punched her in the face, mm-hmm. she's bleeding, you know, she runs off. And then we get the second part of it, which is that Laura sees her, uh, you know, walking down the street with her bloody nose and goes to her and, uh, you know, starts talking to her and and trying to figure out what's going on. And Violet gets very upset and, you know, blames Abigail for all this, runs off, 
Laura pursues her. They're you know they're they're still talking. Uh, Violet accidentally falls into this well and dies. Yeah, you know, while Laura is clutching the the locket, mm-hmm. um, and and that is you know that is is pretty much that. Um, and then of course the other piece comes from yeah. That's the other thing. It's like Ab- poor Abigail, man. She gets no agency whatsoever. No. Her mom's got to bail her out for the Violet murder, and then her daughter's got to bail her out for the. For, for the Lita murder because you know uh, uh, Sammy Joe up in the gallery screams that she knows what happened now she remembers it all yeah. she runs down the stairs has you know what what in any courtroom would never happen you know in real life yeah. clearly we're just playing this for, for drama's sake you know uh, tells about peeping through the crack of the door and seeing you know Lita going crazy in their kitchen and getting so upset and then and then grabbing the knife and then you know obviously slitting her own Take throat, her own, yeah uh, and and there you have it all very Southern Gothic. Yeah. Yeah. The mystery is over. It's, it's, it's strange in a way because of the complications which are set forth, and then again, it, it all wraps up so nicely. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's TV. We only got, we got a limited amount of time. We got to move on. Bada bing, bada boom. Um, right. You know, kind of think about it, it's uh, Sam having the heart condition. It provides a little bit of dramatic tension. I just wish there had been more of a payoff. Even more, like me too. Like in a longer thing, like wouldn't it have been interesting if Sam had to spend the night in the hospital, right? Because, or like he actually, maybe not like a full on heart attack, but he has like enough of a, a, an episode that he, you know he's got to spend the night for observation or something. That'd be I don't know. But yeah, yeah he only got so much time, right? Yeah, I, I, it's almost like we, you know, episode one is sort of the introduction of of the of this mystery, if you will. Uh, episode two is the love story, and then episode three is you know is, is sort of just wrapping everything up while introducing this new character. Um, and I think that unfortunately, uh, whereas episode one creates such a wonderful vibe and a very lived-in quality to the town and the people that we meet, and there's some really great conflict and dramatic tension, and then episode two has nothing but tension, and also this romantic subplot, which is, you know, very well done. Episode three does end up, I think, ultimately falling a bit flat, because it, it goes to resolve these, these you know, these mysteries, um, but like you're saying, it doesn't necessarily have the same tension that the others have. No, I, I think what this episode has, it, it just has... Uh the big dramatic thing of like Sam has fathered a daughter and that's a big deal and everything else just kind of gets swept off to the side you know what I mean yeah uh, go ahead the unfortunate thing about that and, and those types of episodes of television is that when given this great revelation uh, with no you know no no other thing to really support it or surround it then upon repeat viewings the episode does not hold up. No. And I think that early, mind you, early Game of Thrones was expert at manufacturing these big reveals. You know, I'm thinking of like when Joffrey dies, for instance. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Spoilers! Um, everything that happens in that episode besides that is still wonderful content and wonderful storytelling. And you get this huge, huge, huge twist. Yeah. Same thing with like the Red Wedding, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think that if you're going to be telling me a story, and then you're going to have this huge moment, these big, this big shocking revelation or twist, 
you damn sure better have enough stories surrounding it to keep me to come back in this day and age. I mean, obviously, let's face it, they weren't planning on people, you know, 30 years in the future sure. making a fucking podcast yeah. and they, know, they, they, it apart. They do it now, yeah. Uh, for what, like, as a tangent, since you brought up Game of Thrones and the Red Wedding, um, I've never gotten into Game of Thrones, but I remember when the Red Wedding happened on the HBO series and my timeline on Facebook just blowing up. And I'm like, I got to go see what this is about. So like a few days later, I went on YouTube and I just found like the red wedding, like that actual sequence. And I, I knew enough to like, Oh, they're killing off a bunch of main characters in one fell swoop. Yeah. I can see why people are pissed off right now. Yeah. 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 Uh, As someone who had read the books first, <laughs> I like, man, it was one of those moments where it was just sort of like, oh, God, what are people going to think? I know, uh, like, uh, yeah, a Facebook friend of mine, she posted, she was like, I don't watch the HBO series, but I'm guessing that you've gotten to the Red Wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, know, you know what a nice callback would have been? This just occurred to me right now. Instead of just having a random prosecuting attorney in this, in this case right here, what if they would have had Mr. Leonard Dancy on the other side of that? courtroom Leonard Dancy of course uh, the leapy from so help me God what if this is 20 years down the road yeah what if 20 years down the road yeah. that would be that would have been a really interesting twist in the middle of a trilogy three-parter Sam leaping into the same town Sam comes face to face just coincidentally with someone that he had leaped into previously yeah I, well, I think that, you know so 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 let's get to the very very end here. You know, we sure. take it apart. Everything else. So in the very end, you know, obviously um, um, everything looks like it's going to be just fine. Abigail has been cleared for both of these murders mm-hmm. now, um, and uh, it, it seems like you know you've got these three this three three generations of women all in the same space. But Laura has you know fulfilled her function of, of, of clearing Abigail's name for for Violet. Uh, Abigail has, you know, provided her function of giving birth to Sammy Joe. So they're both basically just shoved off to the side, and now it's all about Sam and Sammy. And we do get a really, really, really wonderful moment. Um, there's the, you know, uh, sort of a, a takeoff of the um, uh, the poem suite that plays mm-hmm. as Sammy yeah. Joe, Joe goes over to Sam. Uh, they have this moment, this conversation. Al informs us that, you know, Sammy Joe uh, is working at Project Quantum Leap. Uh, that he's had conversations with her. She has a theory on um, how to bring him home. Yep. Yep. And uh, and then, much in the same fashion as we will get with the series finale, we get the fucking bummer dropped on us of she has no idea that you're her father. They're, sure. Uh, I mean, that would be a lot. You know? Yeah. It would be, and and if if I'm Deborah Pratt writing this episode, and I'm thinking it, for the future of, an, of a spinoff, what better way to create drama in the spinoff if Sammy Joe doesn't know that Sam's her father, but that is something that we build to. Sure. You know, we build to the fact that one day she, she discovers that Sam is her father. Like that, that obviously mm-hmm. would be a, a, a great you know, hook. Um, it's a good scene. Scott is fantastic in the scene. It is an emotional scene. Um, you know, as a father watching it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you just do, you kind of, you, you feel a tug, um, that you, you know you, you might not have felt before um, but uh, it's just sad man it's sad mm-hmm. it really yeah. is it's sad yeah like, he doesn't get a chance to be a father you know, it's like it, it, it's weird he fathered 
a child with Abigail. But as far as I'm concerned, Sam Beckett is not a father. Harsh. True. True. <laughs> Harsh, but true. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, to, to take a line from uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy two, he may be a father, but he's not a daddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's, yeah. And that's hard. And, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about like what that means for like the end of the series. And yeah. Um, but we also get the drop that somehow Ziggy knows that Sam is not going to remember Sammy Joe as his daughter afterwards either, which is uh, one, how do you know? Uh, and just kind of a, right, another kick right. in the nuts. And, uh, and then Sam leaps. And we see that Sam Leaps, and this is how we know that Quantum Leap was a TV series ahead of its time. Sam leaps into someone who is social distancing <laughs> and wearing a mask in public. Yeah. Am I missing the point? Is that, is that, is that what's going on? No? I think no? so. No? Uh, <laughs> that was my no. thought of watching the episode last night. Uh, one thing I will say is that uh, there's a lovely, lovely moment, and you don't it, you don't get any payoff yet. But I love the fact that the character looks at Sam, who is clearly like we're robbing a bank. Everybody's got guns. What's going on? I'm wearing a mask. All this jazz. And the character standing next to him looks at him and says, "You know, what's wrong, little brother?" And knowing what we know about yes. where this episode takes place, yes, it's a, such a beautiful, beautiful callback. Yeah, it is. I had that same thought last night. Maybe it's yeah. worth noting that when this episode originally aired, this is not what viewers saw. Because the next right. week episode was a repeat. So when this episode originally aired, Sam leaped into Moments to Live. Which kind of... Ooh. Which kind of kicks the end of the episode in the nuts, <laughs> you know? Because yeah. I mean, uh, leaping into a, into the situation, leaping into the the circumstances of, of a bank robbery in Promised Land, it's it's kind of weird. But also, like, there's still like the, there's a familiar thing, like Sam leaps from meeting his daughter to leaping into a bank robbery, but he's obviously there with his big brother. There's something, you know, kind of fitting there when you think about it but you just leap into the to the weird awkward funny moments of moments to live right. kind of thing um, but they did like uh, if you watch it now on streaming like I watched it last night if you watch it on Blu-ray they did correct that they didn't correct those things back uh, in the first couple of seasons of the releases or did yeah, they for the Blu-ray the, they did for the Blu-ray but not for the for the DVD, DVD release okay okay yeah but but one thing that I will say um, that, that is also really interesting about uh, maintaining the integrity of the episode, because we know that this is not necessarily completely true for the rest of the series, and in particular with Lee Harvey Oswald, part one and part two, it, they, they you know use them as two separate episodes instead of the double-length episode as it aired. Um, but because this episode aired on one night, it was actually still split up into two episodes. However, the one thing that's interesting is that the saga cell was not used when they started the second episode. You still sure. got a title card. You even still got like a previously on thing, basically, sure. where it showed you moments from the first two episodes. Yeah. In case you were coming over from Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but the cool thing is, is that the, the Blu-ray maintains that. There's no saga cell. 
Yeah. So, so you get like the the you know the kind of the previously on, which doesn't even include a previously on. It basically just shows you scenes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, bam, you're into the new episode, um, which is which is which is kind of cool. Um, and 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 again, I wish that that was true of of the entirety of the series that that that, that you know same integrity um, was maintained, like for Lee Harvey Oswald and and uh, and even for Genesis, because I think Genesis is presented as two separate episodes on the Blu-rays instead of just one. Uh, I, I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But any, anyway, anyway, it's not a yeah. there. Yeah. So, sum up trilogy for me, Dennis. The first two parts are really solid. And the third one last night kind of let me down. Now, I will give the fairness, uh, at the same time that I was watching the episode last night, I was also on Twitter watching... Uh, reading like all of the news unfolding of, of what the protests look like in downtown Chicago. So maybe I wasn't giving it my full attention, but even still like for all the reasons that we discussed in this episode, uh, the, this last part kind of floats by on, uh, just meeting Sammy Joe, the idea of Sam fathering Mm -hmm. a daughter and the episode's kind of thin beyond that. Um, and yeah. I also like, and, and I think it's because Lita Ader is such a good antagonist in the first two episodes and for her basically just, you know, for her to be, she's not, you know, other than like a brief flashback, she's not in this episode. And I think, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think that the third episode does not stand as well on its own as the first two episodes do. You know, we even talked, I, I think I said something about how the first episode, you know, it, it feels a little unresolved at the end, but it's still really good, and it stands so well on its own. Um, and you had made the comment about, like, you know, obviously it had to set up a lot for what's to come, but it did it really well. And I think that, unfortunately, this final episode, maybe the ambition of creating Sammy Joe gets in the way of truly resolving what has been set up in the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Because I would argue that the inclusion of Sammy Joe is completely unnecessary to the story that's being told in the first two parts of this episode. And I think without Sammy Joe, we would probably get a much more satisfying and emotionally satisfying conclusion to Trilogy than we do with Sammy Joe. That's a really good point. Like, I don't... Uh, I think there is such a good payoff for Sammy Joe because uh, she's one of my favorite characters from the novels. That that uh, mm, yes, handful of novels yes. that that does include her. So I think her, I think this last part being a little thin and not getting the the payoffs in these characters. I think the the trade off of having Sammy Joe in the novels is worth it. Um, I would ag- I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I would I would absolutely agree with that. I mm-hmm. do. Think that it it does undercut the power of the whole trilogy just a, a little bit. Oh, like, yeah, I still absolutely. think that yeah. these are good episodes, sure. And I still think that these this is these are high. You know, this is the, the trilogy as a whole is still a highlight of the entirety of season five for sure, and and even potentially a highlight of you know, uh, I, I mean, most of season four as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that you know that these are these are certainly really good. Uh, episodes and, and I would rank them highly thus far in, in the season, but um, but yeah, I, I I would 
I would wonder what it would be like if the story focused more on what these first two episodes in the trilogy did and less on this aspect of Sammy Joe. Um, because there's something very lacking in the final scene without some sort of moment for Sam and Abigail. This scene, this episode needs, and this is just occurring to me, it needs something that kind of echoes the last scene of So Help Me God. It needs Abigail getting the fuck out of Pottersville, Louisiana. Yeah. And of course, by extension, Sammy Joe. I mean, that could have been, yes, it could have been Sam saying goodbye to Abigail and Sammy Joe. I'm saying this metaphorically at a bus stop on the edge of town, (laughs) you know, as, as they are getting ready, as they are getting ready to leave town. Um, You know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, limited time. That would have been an extra, you know, scene, an extra set basically. And at this point they were keeping the sets very minimal in the episodes. Uh, But yeah, we, but, but basically we needed to see Abigail leaving Pottersville and, and leaving this behind her. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think it would have been, again, that that would have been the type of payoff that... I, I get that we had this, drama, this dr- dramatic sort of, you know, soap opera-esque courtroom climax or whatever, fine. But I agree, the payoff of having Sam, you know, with Sammy Joe and Abigail at the bus stop, of having Sam have a moment with Abigail and provide some sort of resolution just between the two of them, have Abigail, you know, walk over to the bus, have Sammy walk over and then Sammy turn around and run over and like hug Sam and have Sam and Sammy Joe have their moment then and there. I'll never forget you. Thank you for everything. Then they leave and Sam leaps. I agree. I think that that would have been a much more satisfying conclusion and would probably erase a lot of the issues that I have with the episode because I just don't like that Abigail becomes such a non-factor you know, two-thirds of the way through this episode. Sure. Well, I'll tell you what. If the would-be reboot could cut 11 years off Sammy Joe's life and make her younger in the reboot, we can go back and retroactively say that that's how this episode ended. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not going to sit down and write it because I'm a new father and I don't have time, but... <laughs> But how could we not retroactively that this is how this episode ended? Had they had the budget, to, had they had the budget and the time to film it? Yes, it would have been a scene of Abigail and Sammy Joe getting out of Pottersville, moving out west. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Do we we do get the drop? Don't we get the drop at one point that Abigail does marry, uh, remarry, or actually no, she never she didn't remarry because she was never married in the first place. That she does marry somebody and you know like basically live happily ever after. I think basically uh, one of the things uh, Al says. I think one of the things like yeah, like basically the important thing is she's happy. Right. That yeah, right. that she does yeah, that she does move on, and of course that that gives uh, Sam and Joe a more solid foundation to go off on. And instead of writing tech manuals in Mobile, Alabama, she's she's working at Project Quantum Leap. That's right. Yeah. Is there a way to bring her dad. Oh. Yeah, I guess he was, it's. Uh, I do think it's very sweet the way Al drops the information on Sam. 
had the episode had we had more time, like I would have liked to have seen, uh, like how how this new information hits Al. Like when does when does all of this like catch up with Al's memory? You know, does Ziggy feed him this information through the hand link? Uh, it, it even could be just like a moment of just like Al standing there and just being like, whoa, wait, and like like new memories taking over or something. I don't know. It would have been interesting to see the reveal to Al. Yeah. Instead of just, I, you know, and yeah. I, st- I still prefer my head, my head canon of that Al in particular, like he, 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 he remembers all timelines. Mm-hmm. So anytime Sam makes a change or doesn't make a change, like he remembers you know that he he like he remembers the timeline in which Tom died. You know he oh, sure. remembers the timeline in which Sammy Joe never existed. He re, you know like I, I I like that headcanon and I like that even more so for the way that the series ends because I think that way it doesn't fundamentally alter the character of Al so much that he would become unrecognizable to us, which I know a lot of people have argued that it would. Um, but 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 I I like the idea that he remembers the fact that Sammy Joe, you know wasn't there and now all of a sudden oh, sure. has this new set of memories where she is and so yeah I, I do like the way that he breaks it to her to Sam and I because I, I, I there's something about the fact that the the notion of Al having conversations with Sam's daughter in the future is is really heartwarming and really kind of like I don't know it makes me feel good inside it makes me kind of feel like Al you know his best friend still gets a piece of him mm-hmm. in, 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 in Al's present which I think is really nice yeah man Al just has a lot of work to do he has to keep the truth from Sammy Joe. Has to keep the truth away from Sam regarding Donna. Right? Does Donna know about Sammy Joe? I I know this was addressed in one of the novels. I have to go back and uh, and reread those. Yeah, I have to. I, I, we should we should probably we should probably figure out how we're going to start tackling. Tackling. This, we've only got twelve. We've got twelve episodes left of this, and then we got to figure that. We will, yeah, we will officially become the first Quantum Leap podcast to cover the entirety of. The we, need to, we need to. I, I know Quantum Leap podcast is catching up with us, so we need to. We need to keep on trucking. So, yeah. So yeah, uh, but yeah, then we got to figure out how to cover the novels because I know, like, like Donna isn't in all the novels. Sammy Joe isn't in no. all of the novels. Mm-hmm. Tina isn't in all the novels and I think some novels address that if I remember correctly like uh, I know like one novel like explicitly said that like like Donna just blinks in and out of existence of the project depending on changes that Sam has made in the past Mm -hmm. and that Al is the only one who is aware of that yeah Um, and and maybe the the, the same for Sammy Joe but yeah they're quick reads I you know a few months ago like I reread one of them um yeah. Yeah. So we can yeah, we can get through it. Yeah, most of my I do remember most of them being fairly quick reads. I know Pulitzer and Mirror's Edge and I think one other one might be Angels Unaware, those three are a little a little thicker than the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh but the rest of them, yeah, the rest of them are, are pretty short, so Yeah. Um, yeah. Look into that. But anyway, oh, we're gonna get there. And then yeah. we're going to cover the animated series, and then we'll cover the... Oh, wait a minute. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The comic books and the... Da, da, da. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there eventually. But for next time... Yeah, but we're next... Gonna about, we're going to be talking about Promised Promise Land. Land. Uh, directed by Scott Bakula. And... Uh, and starring yeah. Scott Bakula and Scott Bakula. Starring Scott Bakula and Scott Bakula. <laughs> and... Yeah, we get to go back to, to Elkridge, Indiana. His hometown. Yeah. 
It's going to yeah, be sweet. It's a good episode. It's going to be sweet. Uh, heart-tugging episode. Haven't watched this episode in quite a bit, so it'll be... Same here. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. Yeah. But for now, this this is our episode. Thank you for thank you for listening. As always, hit us up on the social hit us up on the social media, and we are hope you are doing well in this weird, yeah, crazy time that we are in right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another, and uh, and uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. I can hear my, my daughter playing upstairs, so that means you've probably heard her a little bit as well. Uh, oh, no, she hasn't, she hasn't uh, come through at all, actually. Uh, okay. But I'm going to say, uh, if I haven't mentioned before, we had a rough night of sleep last night, so I'm probably going to go take a little nap right now, to be honest. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I envy you. I envy you that. Uh, <laughs> no, well, take care of yourself and, uh, and give, give love to the family. You too. And, uh, yeah, everybody else, take care. In the meantime, we will be talking to you real soon uh, with Promised Land. Yeah, see you next time. Bye. Close.